0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. Hello, my friends, and happy Monday. As you know, I only accept sponsors for this show that I actually use and love, and this month's sponsor is no exception. These episodes are being brought to us by Shine Cosmetics, which is a makeup company that I use every day, and I believe in 100%. I love their high-quality, long-lasting makeup, and I also love what they stand for. They are on a mission to be a positive voice in the beauty industry and to remove sexualization from beauty products. We sometimes don't even think about the names of the colors of our makeup, but they are often things like Vixen, Sexy, Better Than Sex Mascara, Too Faced, etc. And that's very different from the names on the Shine Cosmetics that I have in my drawer. I have my favorite Shine products right here in my hand, and I'm looking at the backs of them, and I have products called Genuine, Timeless, Integrity, and Empowered. Especially if you have teenage girls you're buying makeup for, I know which messaging I want them to read every day and to promote to them. My absolute favorite product with Shine is their Beauty Balm or BB Cream, which is a mix between tinted moisturizer and foundation. It has amazing light and natural coverage as well as SPF 15, which you cannot beat. So to learn more about Shine Cosmetics and check out which of their amazing products are my favorites... You can go to 330 30 podcastcom forward slash shine. And anytime you make a purchase with them, use the code 3and30 for 10% off. These would make awesome stocking stuffers or teacher or friend gifts this holiday season. So use the code 3 and 30 at checkout for 10% off. And now on to today's show, which is a piece of my heart, not only because of the topic, but also because of the guest. I can't wait for you to hear more. This is episode 107, Surviving Depression as a Mom. Welcome to 3 in 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. This time of year, I think a lot about mental health. I think this happens for a few reasons. First, when the weather changes and the time changes, I struggle more with my own mental health and always feel a bit desperate to fortify myself for the dark, cold months ahead. It's like I think, oh yeah, this is what depression feels like and I don't want to feel this. I also think more about mental health because November 15th marks two years since my son's birth mother Katie died by suicide after a long battle with depression. We had an open adoption and we're extremely close to her and I feel especially raw and sad this time of year as I think back to getting the phone call two years ago and the immense loss that we've suffered. Mental illness is brutal and unfair, and unfortunately, it has affected many of the women in my life who I love the most. Katie, of course, but also my older sister, Sarah, who I've watched battle valiantly for the past several decades. Sarah is my best friend, my mentor and confidant, and I'm in awe of her tenacity to fight through the horrific lows that she sometimes faced and seek whatever help she needs to be the best mom she can be for her two children. She's the reason that I was able to reach out for help when I started struggling with depression and anxiety after my daughter was born. I felt scared and ashamed to be in such a dark place, but I also knew I had a sister I could call who not only got it, but who could also give me advice and tools on how to get through it. We've needed to have an episode on the podcast about mental illness for a long time, and I always knew who the guest would be when the time was right for that episode. I'm honored to have my sister, Sarah McKenna, with us today talking about how to survive depression in motherhood. And we're actually going to make this a two-part series because there's so much to say about it. So, Sarah, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you. I, I would like to say that we're excited to talk about this, but it's kind of a mixed bag topic. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but it's been a long time. We've talked about doing this episode from the beginning for several years, but we haven't known exactly what direction to take it. Like, should we talk about how to get help? Should we talk about how to help someone else that has depression, how to identify when you have it? There's just so many directions that we could have taken with it. Um, That, as you know, I was recently talking to a dear friend of mine who battles mental illness and I asked her what she would want. From an episode on the topic and she said, I want to hear someone describe what depression and motherhood feels like and how they survive it day to day. So that's the direction we're going to take with this first episode today. And I'm so grateful that you are willing to talk to us about that. And so why don't you start off with a bit of your own history and then you can lead into the takeaways.
1: Okay. Well, um, I've been suffering from mental illness since I was a child. Really, middle school is when it really hit hard, which is common for my illness, which is bipolar 2, which is often known as bipolar depression. And um, it's marked by very low lows most of the time and occasional hypomanic episodes. And I also went through postpartum depression after each of my kids was born, including my miscarriage. I didn't even know you could get postpartum depression after a miscarriage but you can. And after that, I also had postpartum anxiety disorder
0: and postpartum OCD. Mm. Yes. And I have watched you battle it all. Um, and you weren't mom and dad didn't really recognize what was going on with a child when you were a child. So you were, you were battling it, but it wasn't really something that was diagnosed or that we even really knew what it was until you were
1: a little older, right? Much older in high school some doctors wanted to put me on meds and mom and dad said no, because they thought it was just a phase that I was going through. Mm. So in college, I went and got them myself, but it wasn't until after my second child was born that I went to an actual psychiatrist and got an accurate
0: diagnosis. Mm. And what, so what did they originally, they, it was just, they said depression.
1: Well, when I was in high school, it manifested in an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And then that continued on and off through college and they mostly just thought that I had depression. But when I went to an actual
0: psychiatrist, she knew at the first meeting that it was bipolar disorder. And that is why depression medications weren't helping you that much because you didn't yeah. have depression. You had something I needed else. depression medications on top of mood stabilizers. Okay. Interesting. And so I've watched you, um, you know, over the last 10 years, I feel like is, it's been longer, but 10 years is really when I've been more aware of it and watching how you've navigated it all and the different phases and the different treatments that you've tried. Um, and I mean it 100% when I say I have so much admiration for the way that you fight and, uh, the mother that you are in spite of everything. And you've even had to make decisions about your family growth that have to do with this. So can you tell us about that as well?
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of the greatest sorrows of my life is that we wanted a big family, but we only get to have two kids because after my third pregnancy which was a miscarriage, I was suicidal and we decided that the risk wasn't worth it and that it was better to have two kids and to be alive than to have a big family.
0: Yes. And that has been just a heartbreaking sacrifice. I feel like this gives a really full picture. I mean, we wanted people to understand that Sarah really gets it. Um, and I always hesitate to even say that I've struggled with depression and anxiety because I've seen real <laughs> mental illness in action. And I don't say that to minimize my own experience because I have, uh, experienced it and I do take an antidepressant every day, but Sarah has really experienced it. And so she's going to give us a full picture of what it might be like to have a mental illness as a mother and how to survive it.
1: Yes. And I was really nervous for this episode because I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. But I am just somebody who's living it. And I have spent t- lots of time thinking about this and researching it and talking to people in Facebook mom groups and talking to friends. And I hope that I've put together an accurate description that people can recognize themselves in or relate to or get some ideas for how to help because nothing I'm going to say today will cure your depression. But I'm hoping that something I say will help you feel seen and help you maybe lighten the load a little bit,
0: yes, and for people listening who have not experienced this that it will help them to understand a little better what the people in their life may be dealing with because absolutely, it, I feel like it is something that if you until you've experienced it, you really just do not understand what like you can't. Um, but it's so real and it's so heavy. And so to get a little window into that experience, I think could be really helpful for people that have never experienced it. Yes, I agree. We're going to spend more time kind of introducing and less time on the takeaways in this episode. Um, we are going to get to takeaways, but I, we wanted to just start by Sarah explaining what it's like to have depression um or mental illness of any kind um particularly as a mother. So can you talk us through kind of what that's like? Yes. Um
1: first my first uh thought on this is what people typically think depression looks like. And that's sadness, darkness, hopelessness, crying, lots of guilt and self-doubt. This is definitely one way that depression can manifest
0: itself. And it's really miserable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. and But there's also sneaky ways that it manifests itself that people, yes. they may not assume that they have depression if they're feeling some of these other ways that are actually quite common with depression. Right. And the first one that I wanted
1: to talk about is just exhaustion. Just exhausted all the time. You just want to sleep and stay in bed all day. That is my problem. And a friend of mine described it as trying to move through molasses. And it's just having a brain fog, procrastinating all of your responsibilities. The house falls apart. The kids watch too much TV, but you're empty inside. You just don't care. Mm. Yes. And I saw this quote on Facebook and I have no idea who said it. It was just like one of those Facebook memes that gets passed around, but it is so accurate that I would like to read it. Okay. It said, why do people never talk about the part of depression where you just don't want anything anymore? Everybody talks about when it hurts like hell, when you cry, when you cut, when you take drugs, when you break down. But no one ever talks about when you just lay down in your room with a hole inside of you that you don't know how to fill and you don't want to do anything, even the things you usually like. So you just kind of spend your day waiting for it to end. And it's horrible because you feel empty and guilty for that at the same time. Mm that is powerful. So powerful. Another way that depression often manifests itself is that people feel antisocial and withdrawn from the people that
0: they love. And that can be such a hard one. Well, it can come across as to the outsider as they don't care, they're cranky. They're not, they're kind of hostile. They're disinterested in me when really it's a sign of deep suffering and that they need you more than ever. Right. And like, I've always been blessed
1: to have good friends and especially close family and sisters. And, but when I get really down, I'm just laying in my bed. I am, don't want to go out. That means I have to get dressed like, and it's really hard. And sometimes when you're really depressed, it's just a feeling of constant solitude. Even when you force yourself to go out and you're surrounded by other people, you still feel alone.
0: Mm, yeah. It's really hard. Yes. And I will say that that is, for me, the biggest sign when you're not doing well um, is you're there, but you don't, you're not there. Like I can, you're, my sister isn't there. You are, but you're like your spirit and your life and your love. And like, it's not there. And that's when I really start to worry about you. Yeah.
1: It's a problem.
0: Another way
1: that is manifests is appetite changes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now for me, that looks like crazy cravings and binging all the junk food in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too.
1: <laughs> sweet, 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 sweet all day long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But For other people, it looks like a complete loss of appetite.
0: Mm.
1: And then they just don't want to eat at all. Yes. And one of my friends said that she's always tipped off to when she's getting really depressed, when she suddenly doesn't want to eat anymore. Interesting. The final way that I wanted to talk about how depression manifests itself is a huge one. This is huge for me. And when I was talking to friends and Facebook groups about depression, this came up over and over and over, especially with postpartum depression and it's anger, rage, and irritability. Hmm. And so many people were saying, I was angry all the time. I was so irritable and I had no idea that I had depression or postpartum depression. I had no idea that it could manifest that way. But once I sought help and got on my med- medications and started doing things to help it, um, so much of that was alleviated.
0: Yeah. And I've had that experience before where it's almost out of body. Like you're, you're like screaming at your kids and you're like, who am I? Like, what is happening? But you, it's almost like you can't stop yourself. And then you feel such self-loathing after. And so, you know, which only compounds the problem because you don't want to feel this anger. It's, it's not you, but it's coming out of you and it's so scary and it makes you feel so sad for your kids yes
1: so sad and that's actually after my son was born i was delusional i thought i was doing fine and one day my husband put the rolling pin away in the wrong place and i started screaming at him and i felt myself like lift up out of my body and it was like i was looking down on the situation going you're insane Why are you screaming about a rolling pin? But I could not stop. Hmm. And after that experience, my husband sat me down and said, you need help. I'm going to help you find a therapist. We're going to the doctor, switching up your meds. Something is wrong. Hmm. And that's
0: when I first acknowledged that I had postpartum depression after my first pregnancy. Wow. And so it's such a blessing when you do have people in your life that say, I will help you find help. Like you need help. Um, yes. And if there's someone who's listening to this, who wants to help somebody uh, in your life who you know is struggling, I think a really practical thing you can do, especially if they tell you that they're struggling, is to say, can I help you find a therapist? Like, I will, because that can feel so overwhelming when you're in the middle of depression. The idea yes. of even like getting online and searching or making the calls, like you can't do that for yourself, but someone else can do that research for you. And I've done that for a few friends. Um, and I've actually called the counselors and kind of talked to them and said, like, what do you specialize in? This is where she's at. And the counselors were all, always totally open to me kind of doing the legwork uh research for someone who's struggling and, I'm really grateful that Logan was able to support you and see what you needed, even when you couldn't see it yourself. Yeah, me too. And I think in the end we ended up just using the referral that my OBGYN gave me, Mm -hmm.
1: but, um, which is a great place to look if you're having postpartum depression,
0: but, uh, yeah, he's always been a blessing in my life. Oh yeah, that's for sure. One other thing I wanted to hit on that I know we've talked about is that, Depression and mental illness are extremely difficult no matter what phase of life you're in. Um, but when you are a mom and you are dealing with this, what are like the added stressors on you when you have depression as a mom? Well, it's so hard. I mean, when all you want to
1: do is lay in your bed all day, but your kids are home for the summer, you can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, they can watch TV, but they have to eat. Yes. And especially with little ones, their diapers have to be changed and they need to, you need to keep them safe. And it's so hard. And there's, I think there's so much more um, guilt involved when you're a mom and you have depression because you feel so much guilt about what you
0: should be giving your kids and what you can't give your kids. And it's really hard yeah and the worry about what they're witnessing and how it's affecting them and you and I talked about how a friend of ours a mutual friend of ours said that she's found it even harder now that she has teenagers yes. because her young kids were kind of oblivious to her depression Um and her but her teenagers know and they worry about her and then so then that adds another layer of kind yes. of guilt and stress on to your depression so hard yeah Okay. So that we hope is a pretty clear picture of what it might be like to be, to have depression and it can manifest in all different ways and all different like levels at different times, but that gives kind of an overview. And for me, I feel like the biggest thing I feel when I'm struggling the most is extreme overwhelm. Like I feel like I have this sense inside, like I'm barely hanging on. I'm barely taking care of myself So when I look around at other things in my life, I feel so overwhelmed by them because I'm like, if I can barely manage to take care of myself, how am I also going to be able to do these other things for my family? And I feel this crushing overwhelm. And that's the first sign that something's off for me when things that might otherwise not have been overwhelming to me suddenly feel really huge. That's a sign that I need to start taking care of myself better and getting some help and going to, the th- to therapy or whatever it might be. And that leads into our three takeaways actually um, of how do you survive day to day as a mom? Um, and like you said, this isn't going to cure your depression, but what can you do to sort of survive and make it through?
1: Yeah. And all of these are so much easier said than done. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you are depressed, you're not going to want to do any of these. Well, number two, you might want to do all the time, but you, are going to feel like all of these things are out of your control. But if you can muster up the energy to even try to do one of them, it might just help you get through the day.
0: Mm. All right. Great.
1: So takeaway number one is eat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So simple, but not easy (laughs) all the time. Yes. Eat and not just junk.
1: Okay. Um, one of my friends said this, and I thought it was so wise. I grocery shop with some care and only bring home things that best day me is happy to feed to harder day me. Good, nutrient-dense, tasty
0: food is good medicine. Mm, I love that. And she's not saying like a specific diet is good medicine or this or that, which some people do believe, um, and I can respect that. But this general takeaway is just good, nutrient-dense food is good medicine for you, no matter what it is. Yes, absolutely. And it helps to have, have stuff ready. So one
1: of my friends pointed out that she always has things ready for the kids, for busy mornings, especially like granola bars, cereal, yogurt, ego waffles. She has stuff ready for the kids. But I'd say to have stuff ready for yourself, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Like if you have stuff that's easy to grab, then it's so much easier. So I am like Rachel. I do not like to cook. And so I always double everything because I love leftovers Mm -hmm. and leftovers are easy. So when I can summon the energy to cook or when I can talk my husband into doing it for me, then we live off of leftovers for the rest of the week. And I am totally
0: cool with that. Yeah. And I do feel like this is something that someone else can help you with. If you are totally, they can help you prep some easy breakfasts and lunches. They can bring you a meal. Um, You know, I remember one time having a conversation with Ryan when I was in a really, really low place, and I felt bad asking him to help prep my breakfasts and lunches before he went to work. But then I thought about it, and I thought, if I had cancer, Ryan would be more than willing to help me with my treatment and my care. Yes. And I just went to him, and I said, this would help me so much if you could just have some basic things ready that I could feed myself and the kids. And he was more than happy to do that, but it took some, some humility and like some self talk of it's okay, Rachel to ask for this. If this is what's really going to help you. Absolutely.
1: Takeaway number two is sleep. Now, as I said, sometimes that's all you want to do in which case you probably don't need more of it, but You can try number three, if that's your case. But I would say that, especially when I had postpartum depression, this was a big problem because I felt like when the baby was sleeping, that I needed to be doing the dishes. I needed to be doing the laundry. I needed to be doing this and that, but I was breastfeeding. So I was up all night with the baby. And then I talk about anger and irritability. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So I think that when the baby is napping, you should be napping and forget it. The dishes, forget everything. Those things can wait. Your sanity is more important than a clean sink. Yes. So if the baby is napping or the kids are in quiet time, you need to be napping too. And if you think that your kids won't do quiet time because they're strong-willed, then you've never met Rachel's children. (laughs) (laughs) Because if Rachel can get her children to do it, anyone can. (laughs) And she did a whole episode about it. It's episode number 33 about how to get your kids to do quiet time. And my kids are now 10 and seven and they still do quiet time. Now, a lot of times that looks like letting them play on the iPad, but a lot of times I just tell them to go read for an hour
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, they're just used
0: to it. So they do it. Yeah. And we are such firm believers in quiet time. i like, I learned that from you. And now Laura, our younger sister it's such, I need that hour or two, regardless, like, even if I'm doing okay mentally, I still need it to stay okay mentally. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and when I'm not doing okay mentally, I desperately need it to sleep, to take a minute, to pray, to read, whatever I need to do to, like, just get a little bit of energy to get through the rest of the day. So I, I honestly think quiet time is like my number one mom tool. So I agree. If people haven't listened to that episode, they need to go listen to it. Yes. It's awesome. Um, and I would also add for this, I think it's important to try to, um, maintain some sort of a regular sleep schedule. Like, yes, I agree. If you are in a place where you're sleeping all the time, maybe trying to get yourself into more of a routine where you try not to sleep as much during the day so that you can actually sleep at night because that was my, sometimes I get in cycles where I can't sleep at night because I've been sleeping in the day and then that insomnia at night is just no good and makes me spiral. So doing everything I can to kind of get into a regular sleep pattern is really helpful for my mental health. I agree for sure. And my psychiatrist
1: would always ask me, how much have you been sleeping lately? Mm. Cause she knew if it was like, you know, 16 hours, then there was a big problem. And if it was five hours, then I was maybe a little hypomanic. So she always made sure that my sleep was taken care of because it's such a good indicator of how I was doing. Yeah. it's great. And then what's
0: your third takeaway? My third takeaway is to move. So eat, sleep, and move. (laughs) Eat, sleep, and move. All
1: easier said than done, but also valuable. Um, And when I say move, I mean simple. We're talking simple exercise here. Anyone who knows me knows I do not go to the gym. (laughs) That is not my thing. I have gone through stages where I've tried. I was a big competitive dancer growing up. I moved a lot growing up, but, um, since college and since having kids and stuff, it has just tapered off. But, uh, I used to, when my kids would go to karate, I would walk on the treadmill at the gym there and watch funny shows because I could get myself to walk if I was watching a funny show. Mm-hmm. And I know you like to get out on walks in nature. Yes. And I know a lot of people like things like yoga because they're kind of like meditative and relaxing as well as moving. There's so many different ways that you could do this. I know running for some people is therapeutic. For me, it's torture. (laughs) For some people, it's extremely therapeutic. Extremely therapeutic. There are some people that pretty much manage their depression with running. Yes, which is awesome. Which is so awesome. So this takeaway is the hardest for me. For sure. I am not good about it, but when I get outside and take a walk around the block while I listen to the three and 30 podcast on my phone, (laughs) I
0: nice plug.
1: Yeah. I really (laughs) do feel a little bit better and it, yeah, it's just, if you can force yourself to do it, you won't regret it.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I have so much more luck with this when I like pair it with something else like I have because if I sit down and start working or if I it's unlikely that I'll ever get back up and go out and do it but if I have a routine of like I drop the kids off at school I come home I put on my shoes and I go for my walk I just feel so much better and but it has to kind of be part of my built-in routines in order for it to happen yes I agree
1: and my favorite is walking with a friend yes for sure I, since we've recently moved, so I don't have any friends to walk with right now, but I used to go walking with one of my girlfriends and it was like always a highlight of my day.
0: Yes, absolutely. One thing that my counselor told me once that I thought was really helpful and insightful is she said to do the opposite of whatever you're feeling right then. So like she said, if you are feeling super lethargic and you want to sleep all day, then that's your sign to go move. If you are like in a hypoarousal anxious state and like your your instinct is to like keep moving, that is the sign that you need to sleep or take a bath or whatever. So she said, use the way your body is feeling as an indicator of what type of self-care you need. And I've thought That's about awesome. that at times as a really good indicator for which one you should yeah. do. That's great advice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in, do you have any other thoughts? We're gonna do an entire second episode which will which will air next Monday about kind of things to do outside of yourself to get help so these are all more like self-care things to do and then next week's is going to be how to get help how to find help outside of yourself but do you have any final thoughts on this first topic of self-care well I just like what one of my friends said on Facebook
1: and she said I view self-care when I'm depressed as a necessity rather than a luxury Mm. so good It's so important and it's so hard to do, but it is so worth it. It won't cure your depression,
0: but it's going to make your days so much more bearable. Yeah. And can you recap for us what those three simple but not easy takeaways are? Eat, sleep, and move. Yep. (laughs) And so I feel like if you're listening and you recognize you're in a hard place right now, maybe just choose one of those that you're going to prioritize this week. Absolutely. Yes. And make a little plan for how you're either going to eat every day. You're going to ask for some help prepping some meals or whatever it needs to do. You're going to regulate your sleep or you're going to go for a walk once, you know, once a day or even three times a week or whatever to kind of get started on this self-care journey to help with your mental health. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Sari, for being here and for sharing your story. I know it's not always easy to open up. I know it's gotten easier for you to open up and talk about this in recent years, but it's still an act of bravery and courage. And we really appreciate you sharing on 3 30 You're welcome. Many thanks to my sister, Sarah, for coming on the podcast today. And like I already said, next week, you'll get to hear part two of that discussion. Where she and I discussed actionable takeaways for how to get outside help when you're struggling mentally or emotionally. And I hope you'll come back and join us for that. And in the meantime, if you want to hear more from me on the topic of mental health, I'm actually a guest this week over on Tony Overbay's podcast, which is called The Virtual Couch. Tony is a licensed professional counselor, and you may recognize his name because he's actually been a guest on 3 and 30 twice. He is definitely a crowd favorite. And over on his show this week, he and I are discussing my experiences in counseling, how I found a good counselor, and how and why I sought counseling for my seven-year-old when he was struggling emotionally. I always love my discussions with Tony, and this one was especially fun to talk about counseling with a counselor and to get his input on what it's like from his point of view. So head on over to the virtual couch to hear more, and the link will be in the show notes. Hang in there, my friends, with whatever battles you're fighting. I want you to know you are not alone. I am rooting for you. I know there are people in your life who will support you and who love you. And I hope you have a great week with your family.